Welcome to Between Sundays. I'm Tyler, and today we're working for peace, for we are the children of God. Barry's up on the mountainside and is going to teach us about the Beatitudes, but before we get blessed, now that they've kept their flavor and preserved all that's good in the world, let's welcome in our super salty co-hosts, Merritt and Barry. Good day, guys. Good day. <laughs> good day. So good salty. Day. I, I laughed at that when I used to tour with a band and I was known for being a salty character at mm-hmm. the time. And my bass player used to make like this salt shaker like symbol with his hand. Yeah. Whenever I would say something that was that he perceived as salty and he would just go shh. <laughs> so that was it's, salty like negative it's been a long time since i've heard that well rumor. how would you guys define salty if you're acting a little salty what does that mean to you i think it in that group it meant you know sarcastic or yeah. a little uh, Had a attitude i'm yeah. an emotional yeah. person yeah yeah uh shout out to my sister-in-law she's been defined as salty her entire life and it's never been like a badge of honor for her <laughs> so. yeah <laughs> guys how are you doing how are you guys what's new oh man Marin, you go what's going on well you know i'm just enjoying this beautiful quarantine and I mean, I could not have picked. You're in uh, quarantine. I couldn't have picked a better week to have accidentally having. I mean, yeah, I've had to quarantine now for I think I'm on 10 days. I think I'll be back. I'll be back in like four days. So So this is this is news to friends of the pod. This must be news to friends of the pod. It's yeah. Um, I found out that I had come into direct contact with somebody who did test positive. Um, they're doing well. We've been texting each other almost every day. Gird your um, loins. Thankfully, uh, they don't have the severe symptoms. They're not presenting with the severe symptoms, but it it is a it's she is presenting with the type of flu symptoms that kind of take you down, mm-hmm. but but not out, you know, so. Um, Every day she tells me she's feeling a little bit better. She's on the mend. You know, things are good. So I got tested for COVID last week, I want to say. The day I found out um, that this potential exposure had happened, um, the day I found out that that person tested positive, I went and got a test. And thankfully, my test came back negative. But according to CDC guidelines, um, you still have to quarantine for the remainder of that 14 days just in case symptoms start presenting themselves later Mm. or whatever so tyler you have been so faithful to ask me nearly every day how i am (laughs) feeling oh my goodness and i just want to say thank you for your kind (laughs) (laughs) wow wow that was the quickest callback we've had ever it was amazing (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, I mean, I couldn't. Sorry, I'm concerned about my friends. (laughs) I couldn't have asked for better weather. We have gotten more yard work done than we have since this quarantine first began. Saturday, we got every leaf raked up and we had a it was just gorgeous weather to be outside. Um, Yeah, it was good. And then the other thing I've been really struggling with um, with two teenagers who both have their driving permits Hey, up, up to this point I haven't been able to take either of them out driving so oh. that's something I've done with my 
quarantine time. Normally, I would have been um, at Fisher's leading worship yesterday morning, but since I couldn't be there, I decided to use that extra time to take my girl driving. I'll tell you what, so that picture that you posted of Desi in the car, I was like, why is a child driving? And then I realized, <laughs> oh, she's not a child. She is she's a teen. How that is girl, that going? She she is like a boss. I'm telling you, I. Well, yeah. I took her to a big empty parking lot. Can you guess which big empty parking lot I might have taken her to? Um, Hopefully not Grace's because we just got light poles all over. <laughs> Can't drive in a straight line very yeah, easy. Not, not that empty. Well, what was funny was it's it's just kind of weird when you realize, okay, she's she's done a lot of like online testing. She did this app where like she got all the road signs. Like you have to take this test before mm, you get yeah. your permit. But what she didn't know was like the simple functional things like, hey, if you take your foot off the brake, the car is going to roll forward. Right. You don't even need to press the gas. So right. like for the very first probably 10 minutes, 20 minutes, <laughs> all she did was just like <laughs> take her foot off the brake and let the car roll, you know? And then what was the other, the other really cute thing she said, I thought it was funny. Um, We were trying to just like make some turns, some right hand turns, Mm. some left hand turns. And she didn't realize the wheel went all the way around the steering wheel, that like hand over hand move that you make when you're driving. Never taken her to a go-kart course. (laughs) We must have totally failed her in like the bumper car, go-kart like area of life. Yeah. No, you missed that part. Totally failed. Yeah, because she just had her hands at like 10 and 2 and uh-huh. she's trying to like make this turn without taking her hands <laughs> yeah. off the wheel. Right, yeah. right, right. Crossing right. over her arms. <laughs> right. So that's that's how it started, but she's such a fast learner. I knew that she would be. I never had any doubt in my mind that she was going to be um maybe easier to teach than her counterpart uh myself. Oh no. <laughs> so, so by the by the end of our little session um we live off of Allisonville uh, and 116th and without having her get on 116th, she was able to take side streets to drive home from like the dollar store. Wow. So just in, in two hours of driving, she was confident and calm enough to be driving through the neighborhood. And it was great. I'm so, so proud of her. Jaden. So he is having a great time with his dad. I haven't been able to take him out yet. Um, You're a grown up boy. On my list of things to do. Uh, <laughs> Having a great Jed, time with his dad. Jed not would always have to positive. give you the summary of how that is going. But uh, <laughs> yeah. like you, when I posted that picture of Desi yesterday, Tyler, you commented, how come I haven't seen yeah. Jaden's inaugural driving picture yet? And it's because Jed does not think to do that kind of thing. Jed yeah. is not the picture taking dad. It's just in the moment. Like I am the picture taking mom. Yeah. Right. And then Jaden was like, mom. It's better that way. I wouldn't have wanted him to take a picture anyway. (laughs) They're out there. They're doing their thing. And wow. The Gaffrins. Better stay off off the road. (laughs) Gotta make that classic joke. Right. All the jokes. Right. (laughs) They are 17 months apart. And I've always told people I have enjoyed having my kids that close together. Tyler, your kids are pretty close together. Mm. It's great. It was great when they were younger, especially because they're into the same books. They're into the same movies. They watch the same cartoons together. Save money. And like, it's just great. We we could do all the things yeah. together without any one person feeling like they were left out, whatever. It's great. But now it's just super expensive is all it is <laughs> to have two kids in driver's ed at the exact yeah, same oh my time. Goodness. And 
Oh my, it's almost... I was thinking about it this afternoon. It must be, this must be what having twins is kind of like where you've got two kids oh, going through sure. so much of the same um, milestones at the same time. It's, it's really interesting. Um, so my sister and I are 13, 14 months apart. And I didn't know if there wasn't a picture of Jaden because Jaden just wasn't into driving. Like, because when I, when she, my sister turned 15, it was like day one, I'm going to get my whatever I need to do. Like, oh, yeah. Sign up for driver's ed. Oh, yeah. And I was 16 and like a half. And I was like, <laughs> wait, I could do that? <laughs> I guess yes. I should do that now that she's doing that and she's younger than me. So <laughs> there wouldn't have been a picture of me either. And that's that's kind of what I assumed was going to be said about yeah. Jaden. Like, nah, just not interested. Yeah. Uh, and Definitely. That, that is the thing, huh? That is absolutely 100% <laughs> what yes. is going on right now. And for, for her to come home from her first driving session ever, yeah. and for me to, for her to say like, oh, we did this and we did this and I learned this, Jaden just was like, no way. No way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's awesome. So that's how it's been like all their little lives where she will just kind of light a fire and then he gets to the task or whatever yeah, it is. that's funny. I mean, everything from like, she would be like, at the top of the playground when they were toddlers, mm -hmm. you know, threatening to like jump off the highest height, you know, into <laughs> yep. her dad's waiting arms. And Jaden would be like afraid to. Yeah, not going to do it till he sees her get second hurt. wrong yeah. on the ladder, you know? <laughs> yeah. I don't know, guys. <laughs> Always how it's been. <laughs> well, I have one abiding memory from my time in driver's ed. And it was when I was doing, I guess you do like you do drives with your instructor or something. I don't, I don't remember. Anyway, the guy that was my like instructor, I just vividly remember he had extremely short shorts on like <laughs> hot pants and he was so sunburned. So his legs, his legs were like bright, <laughs> nasty red. And he took us to, he had me go to like a, I don't know, like a Seven Eleven or a gas station or something. And he came back and he had a big gulp, like a massive big gulp. He put it on the floor beneath his feet in the, in the passenger seat. And he said, if this spells, you're failing. Wow. And then he was like, and that's when I'm joking. to sunburn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got it, buddy. Anyway, I just, I'll never forget that. Cause like, then he's like, haha, I'm joking. But it's that kind of like, no, you're not. Like, yeah. Am I joking? Yeah. You want to like, test me? You are. You're a very intimidating man. Yeah. Clearly, you oh. don't mind pain. So, wow. Well, that uh. is awesome. I I did not do well as a beginner driver. I failed driver's ed the first time through. Had it's the only class I ever had to take summer school in. So I took <laughs> summer school for driver's ed. That instructor was incredible. Like I used to think that you had to like drive with your entire foot on the pedal. I didn't know to keep your heel on the ground and oh. just like use your toes to control your speed. So mm -hmm. you can imagine how terrible and awful and death defying it was to <laughs> drive with me the first time through. Um, but my claim to fame, as I was learning to drive, my mother took me to the post office. She's sitting in the passenger seat. I'm driving and I managed to take out not one, not two, but three federal mailboxes <laughs> in a row. The wow. big blue ones, bang, 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 oh my all word. in a row. That's That was me. Marin, whoops. <laughs> Why has that not come up till now? <laughs> you don't you don't lead with that kind of stuff, Tyler. You know? You don't lead with that. Those are things so, I need to know. I've ridden in the car with you. 
That's the that's the reason why Marin is has uh, a felony for mail fraud. <laughs> yeah. Right. Sorry, guys. Sorry. Cats oh out of the my bag. goodness. But no, Desi on her first time out, I took her to a bank that was closed just so we could like drive in circles around it. She's mm-hmm. practicing those right hand turns, practicing those left hand turns, and she decides to go through. Like the teller. Oh, yeah. Right. Make a deposit. That is some skillful driving. Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of like took a deep breath. I was really trying not to. I was trying not to do what my mom always did to me, which was grab the driver's side or the the passenger side door. And like you just grab it Mm -hmm. like that's going to comfort you or save you or slam your foot into the into the floor right 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 the imaginary brave (laughs) like i really tried hard but she i'm telling you she's just tough as nails and just sailed through those things like it was nothing good for her good for her all right wow (laughs) barry anything new with you uh not really I've, i've been trying to take advantage of the weather i've been really really busy writing like all the sermons, like I said last week, trying to get the December sermons written so I could record them soon. Uh, anyway, but the one thing I've been able to do, which I'm very proud of, is I, I'm getting better at my composting. And I now I have two like compost piles that I'm really proud of. One of them I made <laughs> out of uh, just collected I've like heard it grass. once. I've heard it a million times. People <laughs> proud of their compost piles. Yeah, uh, the, I did like a simple compost where it's like grass and like dead leaves the leaves from last fall. And so you kind of layer them together. And I, I just turned that for the first time after, after a few months and it's coming along great. And then I've got my other pile where I put all the, you know, rabbit litter boxes and the food scraps and all that stuff. And I added a bunch of grass to that one as well. And it is, I just turned it again and it is like 130 degrees in there, 140 (laughs) degrees. It's like awesome. I'm very proud of it. So that's all. That's all. I'm very excited. I've I'm the compost has been like a, something I want to get good at. Cause that's the, like the key to organic farming. So making progress guys. That's all. Yeah. Meanwhile <laughs> at our house at the beginning of the year, my wife wanted to do composting. Yeah. So all right, we put compost bins out and, uh, she lost interest. So now we just got like rotting things <laughs> sitting in our yard. <laughs> We're not turning it. We're not doing anything. Yesterday I dumped a bunch of leaves in there. There you go. I'm hoping it just like, I don't know what's going to happen to it. I, go away. If, Turn if he slime? turned it, if Tyler turned it now, Barry, would it, would it, would it be of any use? It, it's always, I mean, basically anything that's got organic matter in it is going to eventually compost down and break down. It's just a matter of whether it's going to take like 12 years or whether it's going to smell to high heaven or whatever. Yeah. You got to just kind of get the balance right for it to happen quickly, but also not smell. Well, we've lost interest. So (laughs) stick it, stick it out behind that little shed thing and let it it sit for a couple of years and and you can use it. All right. Uh, the, the only thing I'll say about what's new is, uh, we we're installing this big sliding door. Like when, you know, those like farm looking doors that yeah on a rail up on the ceiling. So my dad's helping me do that. In one uh, room. Well, we've got the we've got like a hallway that goes to the kids' rooms, and we're yeah. watching TV, and the sound just like bounces off the floor, and uh, the, so we're sliding in across the edge of the hallway so that they can't hear <clears throat> what's going on mm-hmm. when they're in the room. My dad comes, sets it all up, and all that stuff, and he's walking out to. He's like, "Bye, everybody," and goes to his truck. Milo is at is there, and he he sees my dad like about to get in his truck, and he goes, <gasps> he calls him Bumpa. Bumpa. He runs. He just like darts out the front door and he's like, Bumpa, I almost forgot. 
my dad's like, what, buddy? Like, what? Did you want to give me a hug or something? And he goes, can you give me some money? (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) What in the world? What do you need money for? I don't know. Who knows? Has this happened before? Has Bumpa given you money ever? My dad's like, uh, go ask your dad. I almost forgot. (laughs) I almost forgot. Can you give me some money? (laughs) It's like, you're shaking me down for money. I'm dying to know what he wants money for. Who knows? So he's carrying around coins now. He just likes to carry around coins and that's what Uh, he wants. But he drops them on the floor and the baby, you know, eats them. So my wife's not super pumped about him asking everybody for money, but. I almost forgot. <laughs> so give me some money. Tyler, I talked to somebody this afternoon who said that your uh, your story from last week about the uh, uh-huh. toilet overflowing into the HVAC made them yeah. laugh so loud they woke up their uh, sleeping infant from Good. Their nap. Well, hey, that makes <laughs> at least you, somebody's whoever happy. you are and Milo... You guys are not in a bad mood about this. <laughs> that uh, makes me super happy. Yeah. Meanwhile, our ductwork still has holes in it because I drilled holes in the. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, if you missed that story, go back and listen to last week. It was Man. quite a treat. Halloween weekend. <laughs> All right, guys. New series. We new series. Where is it? Series. It's kind of right? connected to the last one. Yeah. Kinda. Yeah. But it's orange. <laughs> yes, the new, it took me a second. Yes, the uh, the series art is orange. Sorry, can yeah. you guys hear that truck outside my window? No. no. Okay, good. Did you guys hear the tractor go by a second ago? <laughs> okay. Uh, so we're in a new series called Outrageous. I should be able to remember this because it's one word, no problems. Yeah. Week one, outrageous. And uh, so, Barry, you, you said it kind of in the... Uh, lead up to your sermon, but can you kind of tell us why we're doing this sermon series, why it's a continuation, uh, why we chose this name for the, for the series, especially in the current cultural climate that we're in? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the reason. I mean, everything's nuts, right? We're in the, the pandemic's getting crazy. The election is hugely divisive and just it, everybody's wound really tight. We're all very anxious. There's just a lot going on. And so, um, I felt, okay, you know what, there's one thing we can't go wrong with, and that's going straight to the words of Jesus. And even though we just did that all month with the parables, I felt like the Sermon on the Mount would be really worth delving into and spending some time with, because really it's where Jesus lays out sort of his vision for how to live as a part of his kingdom. And uh, it's kind of, I put this in the app notes, but there's actually a parallel between the Sermon on the Mount and the giving of the Torah, where mm. Moses is on a mountain giving the teachings of God to the people. Jesus is on a mountain giving the teachings of God to the people. It's, he's taking the teachings of the Torah, he's expanding on them. And I didn't really get into all that in the message, but it's just interesting where it's like, Jesus is basically like, here's how to live. If you're, if you want to follow me, here's how to live. And so that's why we're talking about it. Cool. And so this week's sermon, uh, was focused on Matthew five verses one through 10 for part of it. And then Mm -hmm. 11 on, um, for the rest of, for the second half. Yeah. And you focus primarily on the idea of being salt and light. So for anybody who may have missed it, um, hasn't heard it yet. Can you kind of give us the big idea of this week in particular sermon? Sure. So 
I mean, we talked about the Beatitudes first, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are this, blessed are that. That's how Jesus begins his Sermon on the Mount. And then he shifts over to talking about salt and light. And I connected the two and said that um, from my perspective, his teachings about salt and light are directly connected to what he says about who's blessed. And uh, my big idea was essentially like, if we follow Jesus, we need to be his disciples, not just say it. We need to be it. We need to do what he does, spend time with who he spends time with, care about the things he cares about. Our lives should look like his. And how do we know what he values? You look at who God blesses and that's who he tells us about at the beginning. Those who are humble, those who are merciful, those who work for peace. Uh, Also those who are poor, those who are persecuted, those who are mourning, like those are the ones that are blessed because they're either living out the character of God or they are completely in need of God and he's spending time with them. So anyway, that was kind of the big idea. We need to be little Jesuses and we need to um, essentially be the salt, which preserves the good things of this world or the light, which brings hope in, in dark times. Um, so yeah, that's, that's who we are called to be. Be little Jesuses, little Jesuses <laughs> or little Christs or Christians <laughs> yeah. as the word actually means. Oh, that's so. right. right. Yeah. All right. Right. All right. Sarah, so do you, sorry, I've got a question. Yeah. <laughs> right out the gate. Hey, yeah, go, bring it go on. ahead you, and take it from here, Marin. I'm just going to sign off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you made up a real, you, you brought up a really good point when you said something about, you know, everyone uses that hashtag hashtag blessed. Yeah. And I'm sorry if I'm like taking this question from you or if you already had this question, Tyler, but this was just one that was burning on my heart when I heard this message. I listened to your message twice, uh, Saturday night and then again, Sunday morning. Yeah. Do you think we misunderstand the meaning of the word blessed? Do you think are we is our definition of that word wrong? Like, yeah, that, I'll just cross that off because that was one of my. Questions. Okay, bless your heart, bless your heart, bless your heart, bless my heart, please, be, be bless my heart. <laughs> you right. know, when I was grieving, was that the time to say hashtag blessed, right. or is it you know when I'm surrounded by my nieces that I love and you know my family? Thanksgiving is usually when you know you're going to see stuff like that, like you're surrounded right. by family and the people yeah. you love. Hashtag blessed right it, right question. is it a both and or is it an either or did have we gotten it wrong up to this point well i think that's i mean that's a great question i think i think we often do get it wrong because i i made a big point about how people in the ancient world or even today think of blessing as something that if you're wealthy you're blessed because you've got lots of stuff if you're powerful you're blessed because you have power if you're healthy if you're whatever all those things we just think of that as blessing because it's like good stuff but what actually what i think blessing really means and i i introduced this as the definition of it, it blessing is god's favor people assume that if you're wealthy it's because god has favor on you but that's not what jesus says he says god's favor or god's presence and provision goes to those that that he describes in the in the beatitudes and so I, I think the answer is if you're mourning, y- you are blessed because someone in mourning uh, will be comforted by God himself. And so mm. God is present with someone in mourning in a way that maybe isn't true. And I know God is omnipresent, but but he's he's with and close to a person in mourning perhaps more than someone who is everything's just totally fine and they don't even need to they don't need God. They're simply just kind of self-sufficient. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I'm not trying to make like a, this isn't like a, 
obviously God loves everyone. God is present with everyone. God is everywhere. But, but there is something about God's favor resting on someone that, that I think captures the idea of blessing better than, than maybe some of our assumptions. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, did you, is that how you think of it? I like that word favor, you know, as, as you described the person who is grieving is blessed because they need the nearness of God Mm -hmm. so intensely in their moments of despair and God is close to them. So of course they're blessed because he is close to them, Yeah, you know? Um, And yeah, that it's not just um, material good fortune or, right. Or, or even, um, you know, good fortune in your health. It's, Maybe maybe there's a differentiation between good fortune. Yeah, it's like and being blessed. Most I think maybe that's a great way of putting it. Maybe most of the time when we talk about being blessed, what we really mean is lucky. Mm. Right? Like, oh mm. man, I'm so lucky. I've got all this money. I'm right. I'm lucky. I'm healthy. Yeah, maybe or that's I'm what, lucky, you know, my family is healthy. I'm yeah. lucky that my family is protected and here we are together at our annual holiday feast. I am so lucky that mm-hmm. they are all here with me right now. Right. You know. Right. Yeah. Maybe it's like in our minds, we think God wants the same thing that we want. We want a healthy family. Well, we have mm-hmm. one. So God must have wanted that for us. Hmm. Uh, we want success. Well, if I'm successful, God must have wanted that for me because I wanted that. And he gave right. me what I want. He gave or, me what I wanted. Or flip it around. Like, well, I'm unhealthy. God doesn't want me to be unhealthy. So therefore this isn't. Mm-hmm what he wanted. Well, right. And the opposite of blessing is cursing, right? So then you would feel cursed because, you know, maybe you lost a loved one and that doesn't feel like a blessing. So it feels like a cursing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So again, I think, I think that's why that was so intriguing to me because it points so clearly to that upside down kingdom where, you know, if you're grieving, you might feel cursed or despised when really in the upside down kingdom, the first will be last and the last will be first. You are blessed. You are yeah. blessed. Yeah. All right. So now I'm all mixed up <laughs> because okay. all I can think about is that song, the blessing. Uh-huh. Yes. And so if we're singing that, are we, are we, are we hoping that other people become mourners and poor? Like what, what do we try? What do we, what do we want? We want well, God's favor. In the if, words of that song, may his presence go before you and behind you and beside you, all around you and within you. Mm-hmm. He is with you. He is with you. Yeah, you know, pretty, it's pretty so good. I have him right here. It's that's, pretty spot on. <laughs> I'm worshiping. She's a worship leader, Tyler. Yeah, that's kind of her job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, and you can pray that blessing. You can sing and declare that blessing over somebody who is at the, you know, height of life on the mountaintop, everything is going great. Yes, may God's presence gird you on all sides. And you can sing that over somebody who is grieving or at one of their lowest points in life. Yes, may the Lord be with you. May his presence be with you. And again, that's why I liked um, Barry's definition of the favor of God. Like, may may he be with you wherever you are. Um, mm. That's when you are blessed, whether you are poor and grieving um, or whether you are, um, you know, like I said, in a more uh, favorable 
time of life, season mm-hmm. of life. Yeah. The the point is that his presence abides. And and let's not forget that what we are experiencing now is not all that there is. I mean, the new creation is a place where we will experience the ultimate blessing of God's favor and God's presence and provision. I mean, the whole the whole of creation is building towards uh, a, a time when there isn't need and hunger and poverty and death and like and and even Jesus is hinting at it when he he tells his disciples, "Hey, you're blessed when people persecute you and lie about you and say all that stuff because you're because you're my followers." And he says, "Be happy about it. Be very glad about it mm-hmm. because there's a great reward for you in heaven." And it's like in this new creation where we will you know, be with God fully again, mm-hmm. we will experience his blessing. And we're, we're all we're doing is stocking up that blessing as we experience the, the, uh, the curses of this world. Mm-hmm. So it's, it is, it's kind of an inverse relationship in some ways, but, um, why, yeah. why do we, why do we say blessed? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, just like, <laughs> Just like, like in general or yeah, like it's the same reason we other, say beatitude. Well, no, any other situation, <laughs> I'm like, I am blessed. But when we read the Bible, we're like, blessed are the poor. Yes. Oh, blessed yeah. Be the name of the Lord. Blessed. Uh, that is a great, <laughs> that is a great question. And I don't you, know the uh, answer to that. You're right. I, these are the things I write notes about. Like when you're, <laughs> like, potato, when you're going through Tyler. Matthew five and you're blessed like, blessed are the, are the poor. I'm like, why blessed? Why not blessed? It sounds more spiritual. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Blessed are the poor. All right. So what's the timeline? Like what? All right. We just spent four weeks going through parables. So what's the timeline of context context of this? Did this happen before all these parables or after? Uh, Who's the audience? Is it his disciples or is it a ton of people? Who? What's the context of this? So that is, well, the literal def- the literal answer literal answer to that is if you just look at the gospel of Matthew this took place early on in Jesus's teaching i mean it's it's relatively it's only chapter 5 he's got a lot more miracles a lot more teaching a lot more parables to give so based on Matthew's kind of timeline of things this would have been relatively early um in his in his teaching um but if you look at like Luke a lot of the same teachings find their way into Luke's gospel as well. There's something that some people call the Sermon on the Plain in Luke uh, 7, maybe-ish, uh, where um, Jesus says a lot of the similar stuff. It's it's different um, in some small ways. And so, you know, the question is, was that the same sermon? Was that a different sermon? Uh, and then, it, you know, some of the other teachings show up in other places in the gospel of Luke. And so, my thought is that likely this was the kind of teaching that he gave over and over and over again. This was mm. not a one ta- one and done kind of thing. I think these are the kinds of things that he taught regularly as he traveled around. Cause he was an itinerant mm. preacher. People didn't have audio recordings. You know, every time what someone was going to hear Jesus teach, that was the first time they'd heard, heard him teach. And so my He's guess playing is the hits, my guess. Yeah. That th- these were some of his greatest hits that Matthew, either because it literally happened as a sermon that he sat there and heard, or because he wanted to try to form those greatest hits into one message that kind of encapsulates Jesus's broad teachings. Regardless, that's, that's kind of what we see here mm-hmm. uh, in, in the gospel of Matthew. So I guess the answer to your question is uh, it was probably this these teachings were probably going on in a similar time frame to some of his parables 
Um, so you're wondering why is he so direct here and he was so indirect with the parables? No, but that's a great question. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, I don't know. He's Jesus. So really, that's the answer. He could do whatever he wants. <laughs> no, I don't know. I, I wonder if there's a, uh, I wonder if there's a difference in the way that he's like in this, it even says that, you know, he sat down to preach or to, to teach. I wonder if there's a way in which when he's in rabbi mode, he's sitting mm. and teaching things. But then there's other times when he's like walking around, just talking about stuff. And maybe that's the setting when he uses parables. I don't know. I don't know. What do you think, Marin? I am trying to pull up the Beatitudes right now. Matthew five. Mm hmm. Keep talking. <laughs> All right. Why um, do you ask, Tyler? Well, I ask mostly because I'm trying to picture the audience. I'm trying to put myself yeah. in this. Like, have have the people who have already heard parables come to hear this, and now they're like, oh, yeah, this makes sense. Like, everything you've been saying, the kingdom of God is like, like this, no one, yeah, this all connects the dots for me. Or have right. they not yet heard that? And am I a guy in the audience... Am I a disciple? Like, am I like expecting the hits or am I like brand new? I've never heard this before. Yeah. According to, according to Matthew, if you just strictly follow, if you want to take his timeline, literally, then, then basically he just, Jesus just called his disciples. Yeah. A couple things happen and then this happened and then he does this. So that if you just follow the text of Matthew, he hasn't told parables yet. Okay. But again, my assumption is that this would be all, there would be much more that we don't see uh, behind. Uh, for example, when, when you look at the book of Acts, uh, there are, there are many speeches that are recorded, like Paul's speech to the, to the people in Greece or whatever, like the, in Athens and all that stuff. You can see those speeches recorded or Stephen's speech before the high priest, all that. Mm -hmm. And if you actually were to give those speeches out loud, they're like, 45 seconds long or like or they're like a couple minutes long but like that's not most speeches are long they're like 30 40 minutes like you could imagine yeah. that what luke is doing is in that instance is trying to encapsulate the broad ideas the main ideas and that was something they did all the time in ancient sources they would they would try to sum up and kind of capture the, the main, they didn't have typewriters, right? They didn't, I mean, they didn't have paper, so they weren't jotting down notes as this was happening. They're trying to, mm -hmm. tr trying to capture the essence of what they heard. So, um, all yeah. right. Having said that, do you think, uh, do you think Jesus did what a lot of pastors do now where he's like, try to slip in some humor? There are a few, th <laughs> there are a few things he says that are pretty funny, but, um, Probably like most story, of it. Like when you told the story of almost dying from a machete. Yeah. Do you think Jesus has like, I'm going to stab myself with a machete and then I will die. You think he has those stories where it's not included in the Bible, but his disciples like heard these hilarious, like fails. <laughs> and then I, Jesus is like, Oh yeah, by the way, blessed are the poor. Maybe, but it's also possible that, that, I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? I think he was probably hilarious. I think he had a great sense of humor. My, my take, because how could he not? He's he's Jesus. But that's I kind of an intriguing I, and funny thing to think about, Tyler, yeah. because like Tim is always reminding us about how expensive scrolls were. Yeah. And how yeah. like only the most essential 
of the life and times of Jesus was recorded on these scrolls, maybe they didn't have room to like include, you know, remember the one about the, yeah. the guy, the carpenter yeah. who walked into a, you know, maybe yeah. well, and it, it's just cut. full of dad jokes, right? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he's like, he's like, guys, when is a door not a door? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anyway, I I think like I think if based on just like good, good general teaching, there are times I'm sure when he tried to grab your attention with something and who knows. But they're all like there are times when he would just do an object lesson. He'd be walking by and be like, all right, look at this fig tree and then just start talking. And then this one, I don't think he needs an intro. If he sits down and everyone's like, oh, the rabbi's about to speak and he says, blessed are the poor, mm-hmm. right off the out of the gate, you're like, wait a second. <laughs> like, hold on, how, yeah. what? And so I think he doesn't need an intro for this one. Um, but he, he says funny things. He, he um, I mean, he talks about like, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. And if you think of that as like him saying- Hilarious. Like, well, if you think of it as like, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of it. You know, right. then it's like, okay, that's not like, that's whatever. But like, <laughs> if he's like, guys, like try to imagine like cramming a camel through a needle. That's how easy it is for a rich man to get into the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. And everyone's right. like, okay, that's hilarious. That's really funny. I don't know. Right. Yeah. And that, so that was from my sermon last week. He said that as the rich young man was walking away. Yeah. And so you almost get this picture of this guy walks away and he's like, man, guys. What do you think of that guy? I'm telling yeah. you, it is easier for a, you know, that's almost like an aside, mm-hmm. an aside that he says to his disciples. Right. And I also think, I mean, just, I don't know about humor, but just in general, crowds would not be te- following Jesus if he was a boring teacher. He was engaging, like he was yeah. somehow, people were like, I want to hear what this guy has to say. And so the, the all the depictions in like the movies that, I don't know, he's like in the super serious 50s, all the time. well, he's always, they're trying to make him seem like this ethereal, mm-hmm. like being who's barely even in our dimension. He's so busy thinking about the things of heaven. It's like, yeah. I think he was gripping and real yeah. and you're just like, I can't look away. Like I have to, I have to pee, but I'm not about to leave because I got to hear what he's got to see, you know, or whatever. <laughs> like, which by the way, I got to say, I've never, I haven't really talked about this on the podcast. It is so funny at nine o'clock during the nine o'clock service, specifically the number of people who leave to use the restroom in the middle of the sermon. It is so Why? funny to me. Coffee? Cause coffee. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> like it doesn't happen at 11. Wow. It doesn't happen at five o'clock at night. It's, it's only nine o'clock. That Something to think about. Hilarious. Something to think about. Shout out to the nine o'clock. Shout out to coffee. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, the Beatitudes, um, you know, blessed are the poor. Yeah. Uh, God, God blesses those who mourn, who are humble. Um, you said they tell us about the character of God because Jesus is God. Yeah. And his incredible, his his character is one of incredible grace. And so he's basically telling um, these types of people, the people that are mourning or are poor, that they are blessed because there's something in common, right? Yeah. They have something in common with God in his character. Well, I, I kind of put it in two ways. Either one, they are acting in a way that is like God's. Like, like if you're humble, well, that's what God is. He's also humble. Uh, mm. But I also said, but if you're in a setting or a situation where you are downtrodden or persecuted or mourning, like you're blessed because God is with you. God is present with you because that's who he is. That's who he mm. goes after. So, but I, I kind of, I mean, I don't know. Jesus doesn't make that distinction. I made that distinction to say that there are those two sides of the same coin. Yeah. And then uh, you jump to verse 11, where Jesus 
talking to his disciples warns them that they're going to be per- persecuted yeah uh on account of him mm-hmm. and you you said you were clear and you said this is not because of something that they believed it it's something it's because of how they um modeled their entire lives this is my this this is the the one thing that i am making i i am this is my assumption i the, the scripture does not say it it just says on account of me and that could mean just because you're associated with me. Mm-hmm. But my thought is that the actual pushback is not about just necessarily the label of being a Christian, although that definitely came in with, you know, the persecution in the early church. It was, it was a lot about the label, but to me, I think the pushback from our world comes from actually trying to live this stuff out. And especially mm. in our culture today, I just don't think if you say I'm a Christian, I don't know that that many people care or like, you're not going to get like, you're not going to get mocked for that. Well, you might in some circles, but you know what I'm saying? It's like in our culture in America, it's not that big of a deal to be a Christian. But like I said in the sermon, like if you actually give your whole life to this kind of stuff, I I mean, I've experienced it. I, there was a time when I was doing world next door and traveling and I was very much like spending time with the poor and the marginalized and trying to call people to live that way as well. And the pushback I got was, was sometimes pretty visceral. People mm-hmm. got, they felt judged. And I, I promise I wasn't being judgmental about it. I was inviting them to consider how they could live differently. And it, it was quite stunning how, how little people actually wanted to be pressed in that area uh, or even to be exposed to those kinds of things. So I, that's kind of where I was coming from. I, in saying that it's not about association, it's actually about responding to what this style of living looks like. So well, I, I'm open to, to yeah, totally open if someone disagrees with that. No, I, I can understand it because I mean, I don't think I've been persecuted by any, I'm fine, but uh, <laughs> I came from, you know, for-profit work. My career yeah. was, headed in one way and I chose to come work at a church and there were definitely people in my life that were like, yeah, what are you doing? You're like ruining everything yeah. that you've spent 10 years to build, you know? And, yeah. um, the idea that I would go work or dedicate my life to this type of work, uh, just like didn't compute to mm-hmm. people in my world. And so, yeah, I, from that angle, I can kind of see it. Same here. I, uh, I, I almost dug this up the other day. Um, in my early 20s, I went into full-time urban missions, very intentionally so. Kind of like how kids take a gap year nowadays. Um, I, I finished high school and went straight into full-time ministry for, for a time. Um, and part of that ministry was to low-income senior citizens living on the north side of Chicago. And so I remember telling my grandparents what I was doing that year. And I got a letter. Um, I was doing housekeeping for these low income senior citizens as part of this ministry. Okay. All part of a ministry. And this ministry entailed working at a homeless shelter. I did all kinds of things. But that was the part my grandma keyed in on was you're cleaning toilets and, you know, making beds for low income senior citizens. And she was so offended. Hmm. As a Christian woman, Mm -hmm. so offended that that's how I would be using my gifts and talents, you know, scrubbing toilets for Mm -hmm. low income seniors. And she wrote me a letter 
um, where she said it was just breaking her heart. Um, I guess she didn't understand, um, you know, the, the mission I was with, the organization I was with, and she wished that I would join something more um, reputable like the Red Cross or Salvation Army or just something that she had heard of before. Sure. And I remember just reading that. I remember crying when I got that letter from her. Hmm. And I remember thinking, it's okay, Grandma. You don't understand now, but mm-hmm. you'll understand later. Hmm. You know, that obviously that's that is that was really a launching pad for what would become the remainder of my adult life in some facet of full-time ministry in you know one way shape or form um but i cut my teeth there just mm. kind of getting my hands dirty and doing the gritty work and it was misunderstood yeah. not just by my grandma but by some of the people in the church i grew up in it was misunderstood by a lot of people um so yeah, Barry, I resonate with what you said about how it's not the label. If I wrote my grandma and said, "Hey, grandma, I'm a Christian," she would praise me and everything would be great. Yeah, yeah. But I, but I told my grandma about the work I was doing mm-hmm. as a Christian, and that became a point of contention. Yeah. Mm. Now, I mean, it's important to know, I, and I, I, this was one of those sermons that I, I'm, I'm squarely aiming this sermon at people living in suburban America, right? In, in where we live. I, if, if there are places in this world where people are being persecuted directly because of the label or directly because of any kind of association with Jesus. So I, just to be clear, persecution, yeah. the, like real, like awful persecution is happening purely because people are associating with Jesus. However, in our setting where Christianity is a generally, uh, accepted thing, Mm-hmm. I think that kind of persecution takes on different forms. And so I gave that whole long list of different, I, different ways. Like if you're, you know, if you're going to pursue humility and gentleness in our culture, those are looked at as soft or weak attributes, right? They're not, yeah. you know, I, I mean, I, I, I roll my eyes or, or worse when I hear Christian people talking about how to be like, I don't know, we've talked about this before, how to be like, kind of like, man's man like manly christians and like trying to like depict jesus as like the strong like you know i don't know kick butt like just yeah like take (laughs) names and i'm like i don't think y'all understand (laughs) the humility of like Mm -hmm. he i i just imagine him like talking to a woman hanging out with children it's like that's not in that world, especially like that's not a very macho mm-hmm. lifestyle to have. And yet that's who he was. So, well, and again, in the same way that we need to maybe have a better understanding of the definition of the word blessed, maybe we need to have a better understanding of the definition of the word strength. Yeah. That yeah. for Jesus to turn the other cheek for Jesus to not offer up a word in his own defense when he was being falsely accused of things that takes a wicked hardcore kind of strength yeah that you know again we think of the word strength as macho and we will associate all kinds of our um you know understanding of what that word means just through our modern day lens yeah um but the strength it takes to be the weakest the strength it takes to be the most humble yeah um yeah I, I remember I'm just I'll, I'll share this because I'm just thinking about it back many years ago uh there was a, I don't know what year this was. There was an economic stimulus that where every American was getting like a thousand dollars or something like that. I don't know. Do you remember that? We yeah. would have been, it was like maybe 2009 or something like that. Yeah. 
and this was when I was still kind of, I was just starting world next door. I was like kind of getting my, my feet under me for understanding my own posture towards the poor and the marginalized and injustice and all of that. And I told some of my friends, I, I was just like, guys, I don't want like, I don't want to just give in to the label of being a consumer. Like it feels like getting this money. It's like the, the, they just think that I'm just a consumer. Like I'm just going to go out and buy stuff. I want to give it away. I'm going to give all the money away. And I was like, it was, you know, some rash thing for me. Like I wasn't expecting the money. I don't need the money right now. I'm going to give it all away. And my friends were so offended by that because they were like, they're like, well, we've been trying to save for a new TV and we're going to get a new TV. But now does that make us like, you're saying we're consumers, we're evil people or whatever. And other people were like, we're like, yeah, we need, we need to spend that money on some stuff in our budget to help our kids. And I was like, guys, I wasn't meaning that I didn't mean to do that, but like it was, I didn't, I didn't tell them they should, how they should spend the money. Or maybe I, maybe I encouraged all of us to like think about that. <laughs> no, but I think about it. I regardless, regardless. I just remember that vividly. Cause that was totally, I did not understand or did not expect that response. Right. And what would they say? Like, okay, Barry, you're so holy. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You know, yeah, you get mocked for stuff like that. Yeah. Anyway, it's so that's kind of where I was going with all that. And then uh, you challenge or you, you go through Jesus explaining what salt and light means and that yeah. we are called to, to be salt and light. You said um, salt was important back in the day because it it not only flavors things, but it preserves uh, osmosis, <laughs> preserves what is good uh, through osmosis. Yes. <laughs> and light's important because imagine a world where there's no electricity. Yeah. And right. Light is like life giving. It's life. It's hope. Yeah. Um, and so I'm picturing the scene of him talking about this. And I don't know if this was the first time the disciples heard something like this, but I am picturing the scene and one of the guys or gals sitting there and hearing Jesus tell him, Hey, you're the plan. Like you are the plan. You yeah. need to do this. The world is going to be looking to you. It's going to be persecuting you. Not me. It's the, I'm not the plan. You're the plan. Right. Yes. You are the yes. salt and light, not me. You got it. You understand it. And so yes. I'm picturing that moment of like hearing that. And, <laughs> and the person like turns outrageous. around, looks behind them. They're like, like what? what? <laughs> Who's he talking to? Me? Yeah. Me? Like, no, me, you, him. Yeah. Me? Yeah. Have you ever had a moment like that? Like I, I and I'm asking cause I, I have, I, I can remember I was on Wilson Avenue in Chicago, just North of like the Lincoln park zoo. I was, I lived there at the time. And our neighborhood, um, there was a lot of violence in the neighborhood. There was a lot going on. So we had a big town hall meeting. Um, and I went to that meeting and things got, again, um, really heated in this town hall meeting to the point where there was screaming and there was yelling. And I had genuine concerns that some sort of fight would break out. And so I left. I left the meeting. I walked home that night. And I remember praying on that walk just that God would flood the streets with his light, you know, yeah. Jesus, you're the light of the world. Jesus, just flood, flood the streets with your light. You're the light of the world. And I distinctly remember there's a couple of times in my life that I can remember that voice of the Lord, like seizing my heart, like a lightning bolt. And he said, again, I said that you were the light of the world. <laughs> yeah. It's you. It's your job. You're the salt. You're the light. You go flood the streets with light. Like that's literally who we are as light bearers. That's 
what we are to do. So I'm just amening with you, Tyler, when you realize that that's it's in our hands. It is not a passive and dismissive waiting on Jesus to come make it all right. Right. Yeah. That is not it. He has charged us and and called us the light. Right. We are the light, the right. salt and the light. To me, that's why that's why it's outrageous. It's yeah. Because if I'm just going to hear my rabbi speak and all of a sudden he's turning the tables on me, I'm going to be like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So Jed and I went jogging last night and we were jogging around Holland Park and it's real, real dark. If I have one major criticism of the streets of Fishers, Indiana, there are not enough street lights. where mm-hmm. I come from. There are street lights on every corner and everything is well lit. And out here, it's like you may as well be out in like the middle of a farm, like a cornfield because I can't see anything. So we went running last night and Jed kept saying like, man, I can't even see the ground. Like I don't I don't like that. I can't see if I'm about to roll my ankle. I can't see if there's, Mm -hmm. you know, a little pothole or something. And every car that drove past that split second that those headlights illuminated the path for us was like a sigh of relief. Like, oh, at least we know that there are no potholes for the next five feet. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I mean, every car that drove by felt like this little like hopeful, you know, thing that just it just helped us and i wondered when you were talking about the darkness and being in total darkness how light is a lifeline yeah and it it is hope but it's also safety and so then i'm trying to break that down and in my charge to be the light of the world how am i helping to illuminate the path of those around me to help them to stay on the straight and narrow or to avoid pitfalls around them or avoid danger or or just give them comfort of knowing that I'm beside them and that yeah. as a bearer of the light of Christ, Christ is beside them, hmm. you know, both like on his own because we all possess, you know, Jesus and he is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. But there's something to be said of us coming alongside each other and bringing our lights together and shining more brightly. Right. Right. Have you ever been in like a pitch black room and lit one candle? And I mean, it's amazing how much light one candle can actually cast. And if, if, if all we are is one little flickering candle in this dark world, it's amazing how much one little candle can do. Yeah. In a cave. I was in a cave once where like we were on a cave tour or something (laughs) and they turned out all the lights and it was maddening. For, for, you know, five solid seconds or however long yeah. it was of just the purest darkness. Yeah. 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 I told you about that one time. It was a couple of years ago. I went, I went like by myself in a cave in Brown County without telling anybody that I was doing it. <laughs> it was the stupidest thing I've done in a very long time. But I did that. I, I was like way back in the cave a little ways and I decided to turn the light off and see how long I could stand it. It oh, was terrifying. No, no, no. <laughs> Sorry, anyway. Um, do you think it's, I mean, all right, let's talk about some things that we know. We know that like evangelism like scares people. All right. Yeah. Talking about your faith, like not many people are like super, uh, not many people I know are super into it. Uh, so the idea of light like being hidden under a basket, like that's that's pretty common. Mm. Yeah. Um, why do you think it's so tempting to do that? Why do you think it's so tempting to keep our faith hidden? Is it because of the 
fear of ridicule? What it, what is what is it? I think that's a big part of it. I mean, also <laughs> when we think of evangelism, we also think of it in terms of like me trying to convince my neighbor to believe something. I don't, I don't think that really <laughs> captures what what evangelism is, which is sharing good news. And it, I feel like we'd be less terrified of it if it really was just a sense of like. Oh, you want to know why my life has turned around? Like, let me tell you, you know, mm -hmm. but the thing is, I think we're, we're even scared to show people our, the actions of our faith because we're afraid of the ridicule. And I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I think we don't want to be seen like those quote unquote religious fanatics mm -hmm. that some of our, especially for me, some of my non-Christian friends love to highlight, um, the most extreme among us, you know, oh, right. did you hear what that preacher said? Oh, giant eye roll. Right. And so then maybe we become afraid to be associated with those kinds of, you know, Christians that are setting a bad example, sure. or, yeah. you know, Christians embroiled in um, controversy or scandal or something like that. So, so we distance ourselves from the label, um, and are afraid to outwardly um, profess our faith because we don't want to be associated with people that have given us a bad name. I don't yeah, know. I yeah. think that's a big part of it for me. I, I don't, um, I, I, I mean, I'm an evangelical megachurch pastor, like that category <laughs> by itself. There are, even if I was just on Reddit the other day, the number of people in the, the atheism subreddit that are, that for, as far as they're concerned, evangelical megachurch pastors are the problem with America. And I'm like, actually, guys, I have a lot I want to like, I would totally <laughs> engage with you guys about. And I and I I would hate for that label to get in the way. Like, so it's for me, it's like I want to let me try to yeah. show you my faith by how I live. And then mm -hmm. maybe someday you find out why. I don't know. It's it's but well, it's challenging. Yeah. Some of those same friends. I had a friend who was in crisis last week. Again, not a believer. And I can tell she stopped just shy of asking me to pray for her. Yeah. But where does she come when she's in a moment of crisis? Yes. You know, she comes to me and, and did I shove Jesus down her throat? No. But does she know what I stand for, know what I live for, and know that she can come to me in those moments of need? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, again, your actions speak so much louder than your words. Yeah. Words it are important. Yeah. But actions speak louder than words. And it is such a cliche because we because it's overused. But the but that beautiful sentiment of, you know, preach the gospel always and if necessary, use words. I mean, it is true. It like the gospel does not require. Believe God. Uh, to be articulated in words, it can be expressed through your actions and your love. And I think, honestly, it's kind of what Jesus is getting at in the Sermon on the Mount. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Hmm. So what's this look like on a day-to-day -day basis? Well, that's a great question. And honestly, I, I struggled after the fact, looking back, I realized, you know, my sermon did not have a lot of very practical. <laughs> it was more big picture. And uh, well, isn't that what the opening of a new series kind of does? Aren't you just kind of setting the stage yeah. for the month to come? And we'll no. get into those nitty gritty details. I just mean what salt, being salt and light. Does it just mean like being a good person? But does it, I mean, being hopeful, being uh, being willing to talk about your faith? Like what, is, what does it mean on a day-to-day -day 
Because you said it's it's more than just doing good things for Jesus or like, yeah, it's more than that. So what is it? I think, I mean, this isn't necessarily practical, but I think it's a commitment to see how much of your life you can shape to look like Jesus. Like everything from the people that you're talking to, the people you associate with, the way you spend your money, the what, you know, like, is it possible to live a life that is ever closer to the life that Jesus lived or would live if he was you. But that's not, again, that's not practical, but that, that I think is part of what it means. It's like, Mm. it's not something you do on Sunday to be a follower of Jesus. It's something that you become. Mm. I think our church does a really good job of offering a a plethora, a myriad of ways (laughs) to serve in the kingdom Um, And to fulfill uh, verse 16 of chapter 5, where Jesus says, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. Not praise you, praise your heavenly father. Mm -hmm. We just celebrated Stand Sunday, this last Sunday. And that's, you know, just kind of acknowledging those that have adopted or that have taken in foster children or those that are part of care communities that help support these foster families. Those are just, that's one example. Stand Sunday celebrates one example of how we can let our light shine. Yeah. So that our communities, our neighbors, our coworkers can know that we live for something more than just the daily grind. We live for something more than just ourselves. We are letting our light shine And they'll know that there is something different about the way we love. There is something different about the way we live our lives. And that will draw them to the Father. And they will praise the Father. They might even start by praising me. Oh, wow, I can't believe you're doing that. That's amazing. But when they realize the heart that it comes from, you know, I didn't take in a foster child so that I could, you know, pat myself on the back. But it's because I love and, you know. God's not willing that one should perish, but that all should have eternal life. You know, when these create on ramps to have these conversations about the kinds of service and the work that we do coming out of a heart of love for God and trying to bring his light into this world. Yeah. It's, it's an easy on ramp for discussion like that. That way you're not being that door to door evangelist. Like, Hey, uh, I have good news. I'd like to share with you. Have five minutes, <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, it's good. Thanks for thanks for kicking us off that way in this series. Um, You're welcome. Where do we go next? What are we doing? Oh, super easy. We're talking about loving your enemies, and <laughs> by super easy, I mean I thought we already figured that part out. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, we've we are. I'm gonna actually. I'm going to cheat a little bit and I'm going to go straight to the sermon on the plane. Uh, I'm going to actually go f- to Luke six instead of just Matthew five, Matthew five talks, talks about it and I'll, I'll reference it. But the, the Luke six love your enemies chunk is just so good. So I'm going to do that. And, um, Oh guys, it is, <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. Not, not the talking about, not the preaching part, the living it part. I think this is probably of all four weeks. This may be the one that is like, the most challenging right now in this cultural moment. Um, You'll see. (laughs) Uh, Don't get fired. 
<laughs> I'll try not to. I'll try not to get fired, man. Well, and isn't that why we titled this sermon series Outrageous? Outrageous. Yeah. A call to radical living from the mouth of Jesus himself. You need to introduce this every week. You need I, to introduce I, the week in the sermon series every week because I can't do it. I, I, I have no idea what the subtitle is. I think the subtitle is paramount. Yeah, what, what Jesus said, okay, yeah, pretty outrageous. But it's a call to, to radical living. It's a call to live our lives in such a way that is countercultural. Mm. The, the subtitle to me is everything in this series, that it's a call from Jesus. Again, Barry, oh, yeah. you said it at the beginning of your message this last week. You know, these are Jesus's words. Yeah. If you take issue th- with these words, let's talk about it. And let's talk about, you know, whether you agree or disagree with Jesus's words. If yeah. you have a problem loving your enemies, he didn't call us to do what was easy. Right. You know? Right. It's incredible. All right. I might have to edit this out, but it's incredible that the hardest sermon we have to write is about loving your enemies straight from Jesus's mouth. That's yeah. incredible. But don't you understand it, Tyler? The no, I, I do apes. understand don't it. You completely understand. It's just incredible that, that we're worried about what people, how people might I'm, receive love. I'm not enemies. worried about how people will receive it. I'm worried about like, is this even? Is it even doable? Are we even willing? <laughs> Me, am I willing to yeah. do what this would actually take? Because like, oh, we'll get into it. We'll get into it next week. But geez, I mean, it's like, this is not, he's not saying have compassionate feelings towards people you disagree with. He says, literally, if someone's like literally robs you of your coat, you give them your shirt to. If someone slaps you on one cheek, go ahead and give them the other cheek to slap. Like it is so insane so it'll be fun i was thinking about this the whole time we were talking barry if i say that i'm a gymnast but i don't follow the disciplines of a gymnast or do the actions of a gymnast am i a gymnast (laughs) if i say that i am a christian but i don't follow the disciplines of christ our teacher yeah if i don't do the things that christ tells me to do Am I a Christian? Yeah. Yeah. I think that the word Christian is, it's become a very broad label. Unlike so many other things. If I say that I'm a, I just watched a garbage truck drive by. If I say I'm a garbage man, but I'm not actually out there collecting garbage, then am (laughs) I a garbage man? Right. Uh, Those are labels that you have to do a certain thing to be able to earn the, the right to be called a gymnast. You have to, I'm, you, you know, I could go on and on about that. Yeah. I feel like, again, I love definitions. I love a good definition. To be a Christian means to be like Christ or somebody who lives their life trying to emulate Christ. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> These are his words. We're, this is just like go Christianity ahead, 101. You right. Know? Right. So. It's outrageous, it's radical, it's uh, provocative, but it's straight from Jesus's mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll right. see. We'll see. It'll be, It'll be interesting. <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll bring it back next week then. Yeah. Marin, can you please send us out? I sure will. Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. 
and we'll see you on the other side of Sunday. Sunday.